Hello, my friends. My name is Madge. This is the MadgeCast, and this is where we attempt to gather all the week's shit together into one place so we can look at it and try to understand what the heck is going on. This week was Christmas, of course, um, and I love Christmas. It was a little bit sad as well with um, the folks who passed, especially Carrie Fisher. You know, I was a little girl in the 1970s, like Princess Leia was my jam. Um, Normally, I love this week of the year between Christmas and New Year's. It's always very quiet and chill, and you can, like, watch movies and Um, you know, think about the year that's passed. It's also my birthday. So on top of being the new year, it really is a time for me wanting to sit and reflect about my year and plan for the next year. But um, this year, that's been really hard to do because it's really even just been hard to relax and enjoy this time because every day brings us closer to January 20th when a giant toddler is going to become our president. So that's been a little weird. Um, still, you know, been in, trying to enjoy the holidays. Um, had a good time on my birthday, but it's just all in this really shifty place of not knowing um, what's going to be happening uh, at all in the coming months. So anyhow, um, this week I wanted to talk with you about something that... Um, doesn't seem super political, but my uh, experiences this week have shown me that it is, and that is taking care of other people. So um, for the last few months, I've been involved with a group here in Boulder called the Threshold Singers. And um, what it is, is it's a choir that um, we sing songs to people who are on their deathbed. So usually three or four women will go at a time and um, we sing very simple, peaceful songs in harmony. And um, I joined in the fall. I saw a video and had an immediate reaction like, I need to go do that. So I've been going to rehearsals um, and I'm still learning. I haven't sung in anyone's bedside yet. But um, even just practicing, it's a very visceral thing when um, you're in the room with someone who's creating harmony or when you're involved in creating that harmony yourself, you just, you feel it in your chest and um, it's a very powerful thing and I'm really glad that I'm part of it. So um, last Friday, which was Eddie Vedder's birthday, we sang at a memorial for all the homeless people who have died in Boulder over the last year. There were 19 of them which seems like a lot for such a small town as Boulder. Um, But we sang a few songs and uh, several people spoke, like the mayor was there and the director of the Bridge House was there, who um, they're they're an organization here that helps the homeless. And some of the folks who are homeless in Boulder spoke as well. Um, And it was pretty intense to, you know, be together and take the time to contemplate and, you know, really sort of feel what folks go through. And it occurred to me in that moment that I have been thinking about this political thing kind of backwards, right? Um, like, here's what I've been getting wrong. I've been thinking about it so big 
and grandiose, right? Like I'm going to be the one to drop the shot that blows up the Death Star, um, or I want to get in a ring with the Donald and all the bullshit he represents and just like knock it all out to kingdom come. But that's not how it works at all. It's not big. It's small. Um, it's resistance is as simple as helping the people around you who need help, paying attention to what's going on and pitching in to make it better in whatever way you can, in whatever ways speak to you. And that's it. That's the act that will save whatever good things can be saved. The simple act of taking care of each other. The day after the memorial service, I was thinking about this, and I came across an article that takes what I was thinking about even further. Uh, The piece I'm talking about is called Sick Woman Theory, and it's long and it's in-depth, and it kind of blew my mind. The writer is a woman named Johanna um, Hedva, and she suffers from chronic pain and illness. And through her studies and experiences, she's come to believe that the body itself reacts to the world that we're living in. That pain, sickness, incapacitation, they're all embodied manifestations of the sickness of the systems in which we live. So here's a quote from her piece. Sick woman theory maintains that the body and mind are sensitive and reactive to regimes of oppression particularly our current regime of neoliberal, white supremacist, imperial capitalist, cis-hetero patriarchy. It is that all of our bodies and minds carry the historical trauma of this, that it is the world itself that is making and keeping us sick. She goes on to say that sickness and wellness themselves are capitalist constructs. Sickness means you can't go to work, and wellness means you can't. That's literally the dividing line. Um, wellness is also assumed to be the default state, which means that sickness is a temporary state, um, which then means that taking care of the sick becomes a temporary thing too, because capitalism can't, and in fact, refuses to take care of all people all the time. It can only take care of some of us some of the time. And from all of this, she concludes that the most anti-capitalist thing that we can do is to take care of ourselves and of each other all the time. Uh, Here's another quote from towards the end of the article. The most anti-capitalist protest is to care for one another and to care for yourself, to take on the historically feminized and therefore invisible practice of nursing, nurturing, caring to take seriously each other's vulnerability and fragility and precarity, and to support it, honor it, empower it, to protect each other, to enact and practice community, a radical kinship, an interdependent sociality, politics of care. Because once we are all ill and confined to the bed, sharing our stories of therapies and comforts, forming support groups, bearing witness to each other's tales of trauma, prioritizing the care and love of our sick, pained, expensive, sensitive, fantastic bodies, and there is no one left to go to work, perhaps then, finally, capitalism will screech to its much-needed, long-overdue, and motherfucking glorious halt. Um, I can't stop thinking about this article. 
because what she says makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, of course our bodies would register the pain of the dysfunctional and unjust systems that we live in. Why wouldn't they? And of course, capitalism is a huge part of ableism. If you can't work, there's something wrong with you. Probably you could work, but you're just lazy and you won't. Um, It reminds me of the divine right of kings, right? Like this dude is the king because God said so. And you know God said so because this dude is the king. Um, Likewise, this person is worthless because they have no monetary value to the system. And the fact that they can't work is how you know they have no value. It's some seriously circular thinking. And when you stop and really look at it, it permeates everything. I have a huge personal reaction to this because I have resisted taking care of other people all my life in the name of not liking it and also in the name of feminism. Um, Of course, I would never say that someone shouldn't take care of someone else if they want to, but my stance has been that women for all of recorded history have been basically railroaded into taking care of everybody, and I wasn't going to fucking do that. So I set up my life so I don't have to take care of people. There have been times in my life when I've had to um, or I chose to, um, and I did, but it's not an everyday you know, building block of my life. I don't have children. Um, and I, I guess I've sort of seen my rejection of caretaking as a triumph of feminism. And it kind of is right because women have been forced into that role for a really long time. So the fact that I can choose not to do it is kind of an amazing triumph of feminism. And I have a life of freedom and I love it. I really love it. But I think maybe I've fallen into a trap with my way of thinking about this. And that is the trap of devaluing the feminized work of caretaking, just like our whole fucking culture does, including the patriarchy. And I really hate it whenever I see that I am upholding the fucking patriarchy. But um, I I have to admit it, there it is right? Like in not wanting to just be slotted into this role of having to take care of other people my whole life and not ever get to do the shit that I want to do. Um, I rejected a part of life that is critical. You know, the quote, prettiness is not a rent that you pay for occupying a space called female. I've been thinking the same way about caretaking. Like, Taking care of other people is not a rent that I have to pay for occupying a space called female. But what I missed is that it's not about occupying a space called female. It's part of occupying a space called human. And the solution is not for me to not take care of people. The solution is for me and everyone else, especially dudes, to take more care of people. And for all of us to value caretaking more as well. Clearly, I I don't want people to be forced into roles that don't suit them, right? Like, I don't want to force myself into a role that doesn't suit me. But there's got to be a happy medium. There's got to be a way to learn how to care for yourself. And from that place of strength and freedom, 
to be able to turn some of your resources to caring for other people. And on top of that, based on this sick woman theory, to care for other people is a radical act. It can be a radical act um, because, you know, the systems that we have, clearly there's a lot of people that they don't care for. So um, anyway, is this the most basic thing in the world? Sure. It's definitely super basic, but um, I think I forgot. I think I equated not taking care of anyone else with living the feminist dream. And I think I equated living the feminist dream with doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, when really the feminist dream is not that every woman just gets to do what she wants and that's it. The feminist dream is that everyone is basically doing okay and has what they need to live their lives. And that's what I've been missing. That's been my disconnect. And that is what I want and need to and will change. Um, Please understand, even though I was raised Catholic, I'm not saying this in the great Catholic tradition of self-flagellation, right? Like, I don't think I'm horrible. I don't think I'm irredeemable. But I do think that I have fallen into some very mundane and very human failings, namely self-centeredness and complacency. And I have to change that. And um, now feels like a good time to take that on. And um, I guess I'm hoping that if any of this feels like it applies to you too, I I hope that you'll join me in the effort because yes, all of the activist work that we've been talking about and that I've been trying to learn how to do and get engaged in, it's all super important. But so is simply being with people who need help, paying attention to them, caring for them, both are necessary and indivisible parts of the resistance and the revolution. So that's where I'm at at the end of 2016 and the beginning of 2017. Um, I want to thank you, as always, for listening. And um, let me know what you're thinking, either via email at belesscrazy at gmail.com or on my blog at belesscrazy.com. And let's fuck it up together in 2017. Happy New Year, y'all. Stay strong.